Welcome, everybody, to the Security Guy and the CIA Spy Show podcast, where we are keeping you on top of what is new and ahead of what is next at all times on all things security, tech, and digital literacy. Knowing that when good people like you want to make sure that their money, their family, and their business is safe and secure from attackers, hackers, and thieves, or you just want to make sure your tech is running smoothly, my name is Robert DeSoliano. I am the security guy, and along with my co-host, Peter Wormka, who is a real and retired United States CIA spy, we will give you every single tool, tip, tactic, and skill that you need to fight the bad guy and keep your physical and digital life secure, worry less, and even make you happier. This podcast will help you breathe easier with less stress and a greater sense of well-being. So let's get at it. And welcome to the Security Guy and CIA Spy. I am Robert Ticiliano, and this is... Peter Warmka. How you doing, Peter? Actually, I have to be optimistic. I mean, not too bad. Things are not easy, but uh, we've gone through a blessed uh, holiday season, and we're still we're still here uh, charging into uh, 2022, where we will see where it takes us. Listen, we have no choice but to be optimistic. Look, at, we are security professionals, and security professionals are proactive. We look at the big picture. Our job is to reduce and minimize risk. And if we were, say, pessimistic in such a way where all we did was so fear, uncertainty, and doubt, nobody would want to listen to us ever. So our job essentially is to be optimistic, to say that, listen, there are all these things that can go wrong, right? But if you do these b- basic things, you have nothing to worry about. So it's not a matter of worrying about these things. It's about doing something about it. So we have to be optimistic by nature, right? Well, I agree with you 100%. And I think that our work is more important now than pre-COVID in the sense of we're dealing with a community out there, individuals and people and employees of organizations who are becoming more and more vulnerable because of what has been happening over the last you know, several months, several years, actually, you know, we're going two years of this. So people are, some people are, you know, pessimistic. Some people are really down. Some people are depressed. Some people are not on, you know, their highest alert. So I think they are more vulnerable to things that can happen by individuals uh, or groups that might want to target them. Yeah. So, And, and we are here to keep them and you sharp. All right. So Let's discuss this. So this is interesting, right? Uh, this is from Los Angeles uh, Magazine, right? It's a big old gun there. Uh, LA arms race of the affluent. So in Beverly Hills, I'm going to read a little bit to you, okay, Peter? In Beverly Hills, the purchase of a firearm comes with certain expectations. The city's only gun store, Beverly Hills Guns, is a concierge service appointment only for the largely affluent clientele and businesses booming. It goes on to say that since opening in July 2020, the store has seen upscale residents from Santa Monica to Hollywood Hills increasingly in a panic following several high profile smash and grab and violent home invasion robberies. The apparent siege has brought in a daily stream of anxious business owners and prominent actors, real estate moguls and film execs, says owner Russell Stewart. Most are arming themselves for the first time. He goes on to say that this morning I sold six shotguns in about an hour. So the reason why we're talking about this is because I think that 2021 was the second highest large, highest year of gun sales ever. I think 2020 yes. was the second highest, the first highest. Uh, that being said, lots and lots of people buying guns. And um, 
there's, there's a lot of fear out there, as this article states, and a lot of those smash and grab robberies that we've seen in retail environments, I think there was one that happened in Minneapolis, a bunch in LA and San Francisco, um, are really scary to me. You know, when you have, um, say, 20, 30 armed, generally men, some women, hooded uh, with hammers and guns and baseball bats, and they're assaulting people, and they're breaking glass and stealing jewelry and stealing clothing and stealing electronics. Uh, that's a violent mob. And, um, you know, if you are in a retail environment, you know, and that comes to greet you, that's really scary. If they do it in your home, right, in the form of a home invasion, that often ends up uh, deadly because it's usually a violent crime. And in this case, um, there have been some people killed in the Los Angeles area, which has many people who have never had a firearm in their life buying guns. Peter, what are your thoughts here? This is really scary because, as you know, Robert, I've spent a number of years overseas in some pretty dicey areas when it comes to uh, organized criminal activity. I, mean, I lived extensively in, uh, for an extended period of time in Mexico uh, City, which yeah. is a high crime rate. And then more recently, I lived in uh, Sao Paulo and uh, visited Rio de Janeiro quite a few times too, and incredibly violent. And with, when I start seeing these things here, this is like, you know, it's like, it's like a baby being, I mean, I hope not, but a baby being born because a lot of these groups, these criminal groups have been, been evolving in these countries for a period of time and they are very organized. You know, it's not like, you know, we maybe got used to before one individual or two people that might try to hold something up. No, we are talking about big gangs, organized games, 10, 15, 20, 25 people. They're very organized and they're not using um, crowbars and hammers. They're using assault rifles and they are, you know, when they attack, it's over. There's nothing you can do. Even the, the police can't do anything. And it gets more and more violent to the point of, if you offer any resistance, you're, you are dead. And what concerns me, we're not there, of course, here yet in the United States, but what we've seen here over the last few months, it, it, it really does concern me because until there's something that is going to act as a true deterrent to this type of activity, whether it has to be, you know, a law, changes of laws, because you know, in California, there's been some changes in laws where it makes it very difficult to prosecute anybody for these things. And a lot of times the police, you know, are, are sort of limited in what they can do. And, and unless this changes, it can actually escalate. As the economy, if the economy does go into a further recession, you're gonna see more and more criminal activity. It's yeah. just, you know, it's so concerning. There's no easy solution to this other than stepping up law enforcement, of course, investing in law enforcement, investing in police, investing in educating police on how to deal with this investing in retail environments and hardening those retail environments in such a way where uh, it may affect their profit, but they um, pass those expenses, those security expenses onto the consumer, which, you know, uh, if it saves lives, fine. Uh, if it means uh, additional security guards, if it means additional um, electronic measures to alert law enforcement, uh, if it means, um, say, bulletproof glass in some situations, it might mean that the retail environment in high-end uh, shops, such as jewelry, uh, might be less consumer-friendly, but more secure, maybe less profitable, but more secure. So more security generally means more inconvenience 
uh, more security is often less attractive and more security um, does also save lives, but it can also be more expensive too. So one, thing, the, one thing that was mentioned in this article and I wanted to highlight, you know, civilians purchasing, you know, handguns or shotguns for, I got nothing against that for self-defense, especially protecting your home. But I think we need to highlight here something that that is just just purchasing something and becoming a little bit familiar with it, it can also can, can actually set you up for to be more, a more dangerous situation than if you weren't to purchase uh, a handgun. Because I think in this article I mentioned a lot of these affluent individuals, they're buying these things, but they're not necessarily even going and getting adequately trained on them. And they're, they're investing in all this different security and they're probably talking to all their friends. Oh, look at this new bulletproof car I have, or look at this, I have this new, uh, what do they call these um, places where you can put it safe, safe areas in your home? I mean, these affluent people can safe put home. a lot of money. Yeah, they can put a lot of money out there, but unless they really understand right. security and managing their profile, you know, how yeah. to really minimize your profile, they're not going to, they're not going to, they're going to, they can put yourself into a more dangerous situation. Agreed. So, you know, your brain really is your best defense weapon and putting systems in place to reduce risk is paramount. Just buying and having a gun does not make you safe. Like you said, it could put you more at risk. It does say that at the Beverly Hills gun uh, shop, uh, Stuart instructs his clients on the law and encourages them to visit shooting ranges um, so they better understand their weapons. Customers also ask for help in securing concealed carry permits uh, from the county sheriff's department. And he goes on to say that the simplest security option for many will always be a $350 shotgun mm -hmm. as available uh, to the average citizen as they are to the very rich. So what he's talking about actually is this. <laughs> this is a, um, this right here is a 20 gauge uh, pump shotgun. And this right here has a, um, a folding stock on it and a pistol grip. Now, a firearm like that, you can be, can be had for $300 to $350, more or less, depending on the nature of the firearm. Mossberg and Remington both provide a um, relatively inexpensive uh, pump shotgun that'll hold, uh, it's, 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 it, uh, it'll hold five uh, rounds in the cylinder and one in the chamber, uh, five in the tube and one in the chamber. That's nice to have around in a safe, you use a uh, shot, which is a, a three-aught or a four-aught shot, which basically has between, I think, and I could be wrong here, somewhere between eight and 12 pellets, which are like small marbles, which has a, a spread of about uh, two to three feet at about um, uh, 25 feet, to 10, to 15 to 25 feet in the distance. Uh, that being said, that is an effective firearm that a 13-year-old girl uh, who say, you know, five feet tall, 115 pounds, shouldn't have a very difficult time utilizing. Same thing with, you know, a small male, female, and so forth. But like I said, your brain really is your best defense weapon. And the more you train with a firearm, using it under adrenal stress in the actual training, the better equipped you are and make sure that that firearm is in a proper safe, so it does not fall into the wrong hands should a child uh, who's too young and, uh, you know, grabs that um, and, uh, and or um, somebody, you know, under the influence of alcohol or, you know, uh, or, or in, in, in some type of duress that um, they shouldn't have a firearm in their possession and or it gets stolen. 
right? So it needs to be locked up. Yeah. Okay. All right. So moving on. Um, Apple AirTags, absolutely awful, say stalking victims. And this is via Security Boulevard. So we talked about the Apple AirTags not too long ago. They're small um, round devices, about the size of a half dollar. Um, and they are, are, are equipped with um, uh, a Bluetooth uh, connectivity. And uh, they're designed to be crowdsourced devices that you uh, put in the kid's backpack, you would put it on your dog's uh, collar. Uh, it's designed like if you lose something, like a set of keys, that um, you can crowdsource or uh, find that device via Bluetooth, right? And the information will show up on your phone. It shows up on the crowd's phone. It'll alert you and them to where that uh, or item or that tag might be. And what they're saying now is that um, uh, research is showing that criminals are using these devices as well. Now, we've talked about this before, Peter, but I think it's worth bringing up again because these Apple AirTags are uh, gaining steam, as they say. And this particular blogger on Security Boulevard went about and looked at a number of other articles by security professionals and sourced uh, the collective thoughts revolving around the privacy, security, and the vulnerabilities for these Apple uh, air tags. So he went on to say and found out um, it's basically that uh, it's a widespread problem. An Apple air tag is a one and a quarter inch disc with the location tracking capabilities that Apple started selling earlier this year as a way to keep track of your stuff. In recent months, people have posted on TikTok, Reddit, and Twitter about finding air tags on their cars and in their belongings. Okay. Uh, there's a growing concern that the devices may be abetting a new form of stalking, which privacy groups predicted. All right, so uh, one of the articles went on to say that it's happening more frequently. A lot of times, news stories about new crimes turn out to be fake or the very least overblown, but it's starting to look like there is actually a real trend of people using Apple AirTags to track cars they plan to steal later. Okay, well, if you're a car thief and there's tools out there, it makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, there's, there's, but there's some, some, some uh, counter um, thoughts re revolving around this. Uh, so one person says, dumb criminal, <clears throat> at least the iPhones warn you and they have an app for Android as well if you're being tracked and it is possible for the police to trace back to the owner as well. Now, uh, one person says, give a stalker a shot. You gotta be an absolute criminal brick for brains to use an AirTag the least discreet way to go about this, air tags will literally scream out their position to unsuspecting people, both via phone connectivity as well as via sound, unlike the dozens of other brands, which might actually give a stalker a shot at accomplishing their goal. So what they're saying is, is that with the Apple air tags is that there's so much connectivity with so many people, so many devices, and they also make noise that using an Apple AirTag for stalking purposes really could backfire on the criminal that uses it. Yeah, I think it, it depends on time, <clears throat> timing because uh, my understanding is it will, after a period of either two or three days, if it's separated, if the Apple, um, if, 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 it, if this is separated from the actual telephone, Right. who have, of the owner of that device, right? 
yep. that it will begin to chirp if, 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 after a period of time, but it's, it's not like for about 48 hours at least. So, after, after it's losing battery. Right, so I mean, so it would have to uh, basically, for someone to use it and get something out of it, and, uh, they would have to act upon it probably within a day, two days max, otherwise you're right. Act quickly. Yeah. So, you know, to kind of boil this down a little bit, uh, I think that the uh, reception that the Apple AirTag is getting and the information in regards to it's being used by stalkers and so forth, while that is likely true and probably is or is true, I don't think it's the best course of action if you're going to be a stalker. Now, I'm not no. going to go into how is a great way to be a stalker, but really there are a zillion other devices out there that you could buy off of Amazon uh, or you could buy off of eBay, really, that are short money, cheap, cheap money. I'm talking 10, 15 bucks that you buy and throw a SIM card in it and it connects to your mobile phone and it's actual real GPS opposed to Bluetooth tracking. Right. Um, and it um, can, can be highly anonymous. Uh, very difficult to, to track back who the owner is. And no one is going to pick that device up on their phone except for the person who actually installed it. So mm -hmm. there are many more, much more covert ways to track an individual than an Apple AirTag. I think because Apple is basically the biggest whale in the ocean that uh, they're just a target for this type of negative publicity. And even if it's happened once to somebody, um, it's gonna, I think it's gonna get overblown just because it's an Apple product. I agree with you 100%. I, I would not be concerned of, uh, that this is a big threat uh, from stalkers and regarding the, the theft of vehicles. It's, you know, a lot of these criminal groups are pretty well tied into access information and if they see a vehicle they don't want to. They don't want to go after that vehicle right away. They want to know where that e vehicle is being stored. They can easily, easily be able to run the plates of that vehicle and find out who the owner of the vehicle is and the yeah. address of the owner. So it's. I mean, this whole thing about using uh, this Apple device to help you know find where the vehicle is so that they can steal it. I think also is overblown. Overblown. Okay. All right. Good. All right. So um, secure a blog. Uh, blog.security.net talks about how do I know if a website is safe to use my credit card? So we, we, we get, uh, I get asked questions all the time about credit card fraud. I'm sure that whenever you meet somebody and you tell them what you do for a living, I'm sure at some level this, they, they bring up credit card fraud, you know, <clears throat> that they've been a victim of identity theft as well. And, and people always equate identity theft to credit card fraud, which I always tell them like, mm, your credit card got compromised. You're not really a victim of identity theft. You're a victim of credit card fraud. You know, credit card fraud, I've always thought of as not that big of a deal, that it's just a matter of paying attention to your statements and refuting unauthorized charges, right? Exactly. That's, you're exactly right. You might, want to, you might want to also have a alerts, notifications set up in your account so that if the card is being used, you get an email or a text message. Well, you're, you're one step ahead of me, which is exactly correct. So that's perfectly fine, which, which is what you should do. Uh, I have push notifications or, 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 or they call them push notifications and uh, alerts. And uh, you go to your credit card company's website, you sign up for them. If you can't find it, call them on the number on the back of the card and they'll direct you online where to go. And I get alerts for charges above and below a dollar, 
card present, which means you swipe the card, card not present, which means you use it over the, over the phone or over the web, um, international charges. So every single charge that um, goes through my card, I am made aware of that via text message and or uh, email address in real time as the charge occurs. I don't even really check my statements that much anymore because I get all the charges in real time. I see them as they're happening. So at the end of the month, I've already seen every single charge because I've been inundated all month long with all of this information that comes to me as the charge occurs. And I look at every charge as they occur. My question, Robert, does that also apply to, you know, sometimes you can set up these accounts like, uh, let's say, for example, your cable or, or, or your reoccurring uh, charges to your account for, for services. You get alerts for those too? For electronic fund transfers. Yeah. So if you have um, charges set up for your bank or credit card company to alert you with each and every charge as they occur, then yes, you will, you will see that. Um, okay. As the charge goes through the credit card company server, as it's being processed, as it's being batched, you should be made aware of that. I know I am. Mm -hmm. You know, So that's just a matter of going into your various settings for your various accounts and setting all that up. Notifications and alerts. All right? Now, this article... Um, which is interesting. And I, I thought I'd, I'd bring it up because it's a little techy and uh, it might be over the heads of many of uh, our audience, but that's fine. I mean, some of you will perfectly understand this. What I wanted to put in perspective was a couple of things. So e-commerce websites can be boiled down into two main categories. Uh, e-commerce websites managed by dedicated companies and independent websites managed by the site administrators themselves. So the former category includes larger well-known platforms like Amazon, Shopify, Etsy, eBay, you know, even Best Buy for that matter, big, big companies, right? The latter includes any and all websites where the store has set up their own e-commerce website, usually on shared or VPS hosting. And many of you may not know what that is. It's the latter category of independent websites where we see the overwhelming majority of credit card theft occurring. So for example, like a small mom and pop website where they have their own shopping cart. That's not like a Shopify shopping cart, right? It's a third party, like a plugin, let's say. They're more at risk than say, plugging your credit card into or storing your credit card at Amazon, right? And so this website goes on and shows all various tools that you could use to check a particular website for script code that might be installed or injected into that website that might make it more or less vulnerable or the lack of security that a website might have. And this article explains all the different tools that you might have access to that would give you that type of uh, you know, ground level information. All that being said, I'm not gonna do any of that. I'm not going to do that type of a deep dive uh, on a particular website and their um, security. What I am gonna do is I am going to, um, make sure that I do some research on the mom and pop website ahead of time so that if there is any um, negative feedback about that particular website, I've seen it in other uh, platforms, websites that have expressed that the, like the Better Business Tour says, don't do business with them. They're rated C minus or D plus because they have had a lot of complaints. So Peter, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I agree with you that uh, we, 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 you can go into this sort of deep dive, but it's not really worth the, the time. And, and going back to some of your earlier comments, really the important thing is to be 
proactive in the set, sense of setting up these alerts so that if there's a charge being made to your account, you're immediately notified and you should know whether or not that's a legitimate charge or not. I know um, in my household, um, when I, another advantage that could be used, I know how, how much my, my wife or my children who might be using the credit card are also spending and you know, I have a better idea of, of what is being spent. You know, so many times when we do have these things charged to our credit card, we, we don't realize what we're even spending money on. And there are these different apps that are out there, at least one of them that sort of like goes through your, your charges and will highlight things that are sort of on annual auto renew and bring those to your attention. So you can determine whether or not you even want to retain that. Sometimes, uh, you, know, ig you know, ignorance of what's being charged, they say ignorance is bliss, but if we're not aware, of what we're automatically paying, we can continue for many months or years and right. be spending money on things that we're not getting any benefit for. So I think the notifications are very, very important, as you mentioned, also reviewing your statements uh, because there are, you know, we're not going to we're not going to be out of pocket for fraudulent charges if we can identify those. Agree those to the credit card companies. It is absolutely important to um, stay on top of all of your financial activity. And more than anything, if, if, if it's not for reasons of security, it's uh, financial response, fiscal responsibility. You know, so um, I think I think we did a good job uh, today, Peter, of being optimistic regarding all these various security issues that we talked about. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, we definitely, we definitely, we definitely have to. <laughs> so, Peter, uh, um, what do you have going on? What do you what do you have to promote? Well, actually, uh, I got a few good calls today of some activities that are, you know, going to be going forward. So that, you know, including not just virtual, because we've been doing virtual uh, all last year. And yeah, it's good. And you have to do it. But for professional speakers like you, you yourself and, my, and me, uh, and after a while, this the virtual, virtual without seeing individuals on the other end, uh, it's, it's kind of hard. Uh, you don't get the feedback. You know, we like that energy from from yeah. the audience. Get so, some live gigs coming up. Yeah, so I got some live gigs. I'll be heading out to uh, Las Vegas and, and then after that, Washington, D.C. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, one of you want to promote people, visit my website, counterintelligence-institute.com, where you can uh, get more information about the book, Confessions of a CIA Spy, The Art of Human Hacking. There's also a online course that has been there for a little while, but I really want to promote more because it goes into great detail about a lot of the things that I talk about. It's, it's maybe a three and a half uh, on-demand, you know, self-paced course with a certificate attached to it. And uh, also a lot of other services that we offer to, to uh, corporations. So please, good, please I encourage you to visit my site. Well, you, Robert. Uh, you can see us uh, as usual at protectnowllc.com, our e-learning, our six-hour e-learning for the CSI protection, cyber social identity and personal protection certification designation is now fully live. Um, we launched it uh, right around Christmas time. Really excited about that. Uh, we're rolling that out to many uh, larger corporations as a, a licensing deal um, for individual employees to get certified for accountants, uh, attorneys, real estate professionals, um, and all those that are essentially handling sensitive and personal information. So that being said, Peter, you got the last word. Well, Robert, once again, it's a pleasure. Uh, this is our first podcast into the new year. May 2022 be a lot better year than, than some of us, uh, you know, might be concerned about because it's, I think it's going to be a, 
a difficult year to get started in, but I think once we get rolling, I think we'll do very, very well. And the important thing is stay safe out there and care about other individuals, look out for other people, because sometimes we don't have that patience anymore than we used to have. We yeah. sort of lost our ability to communicate, but really, really, you know, make that effort. Yeah, be nice others. to people. Yeah, be nice. Thank you, Peter. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.